0: Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales, Tales from, Outer, from, Outer, space. Outer, from space. Outer Space, taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one Humans and Gravity, the best of friends, written by Prussia Joe. Humans, I have found, are very good at dropping things. When they warred with the Trexians over the fortress world of Granax Seven, the humans dropped bombs from orbit. When the Traxian shields held, the humans dropped asteroids instead. When the shields dropped and the cities were crushed, the humans dropped other humans to take what was left. This became the policy for invasion, their own particular insanity that no other species was as willing to match. The idea of using weapons that could harm a planet was unthinkable. Any species at war would target cities with explosives, but the idea of intentionally damaging the entire region of a world just to remove one population center was absurd. Humans didn't seem to feel that way. When the Traxians attempted to counter the human strike into the territory with attacks on human colonies, the humans introduced us to even more methods of killing with gravity." "'The Kinetic Strike. "'Human satellites carrying dense tungsten rods "'would drop their payload and let gravity guide it to the ground. "'Human's described the effect as like a nuke, but not as bad. "'Under Nabia on the Carineans "'had surrounded two human-armoured divisions. "'The Carineans were willing to wait "'for the humans to starve themselves into submission. "'So they settled in for a life nice, long siege.' "'pointing all their guns inward to keep all of the humans where they were. "'They forgot to look up. "'The humans dropped enough supplies to replenish the beleaguered divisions, "'and within three days the newly supplied humans pushed through the Karanian lines "'and captured the Navian capital of Trun. "'Time and time again humans have proven that they are very, very good at dropping things.' We've even begun receiving reports that the humans are working on a way to drop a hostile planet onto its own star. After hearing this, we sent the humans an offer of alliance. We hope that they don't decide to drop that too. End of story Story number two Lovecraft, Be Damned Written by the Human Empire The universe is cold and uncaring place, filled with death and despair everywhere you look. And it is governed not by morals, not even by mortals. It is said that every civilization is like a tiny fire in an endless sea of darkness, waiting to be snuffed out by the Great Old Ones as it guides them ever closer to its hapless self. Now you might think to yourself that if that is indeed the case, seeing as so many had already fallen— then maybe the best just to let them extinguish the flames and let it all end. Or better yet, and extinguish the flames ourselves before they even notice we exist. Well, if that is what you see as the only correct course of action, then maybe you should indeed grab yourself a Necronomicon and shove it up your ass, because there is no hope for you. Why, you might rightfully ask, well, you see— So what if you're just another pathetic little limber in the void? So what if our civilization is doomed to crumble like all the others before us? So what if the universe doesn't care about our meager little lives? So what if all of reality itself could just end whenever Azeroth rolls around in his bed a little too much? Tell me... Did your ancestors care about any of those insignificant ideas about insignificance? Because if you say that, then you've obviously snapped through a history class. So, you might be wondering why the ones before us did not care whether or not they were matter of grand scheme of things, yes? Well, the answer is, uh, why should they? If the universe truly did not give an even the slightest prick about them, then they might as well not return the disfavor, should they? "'You see, us humans do not simply compensate for what the world has in store for us, "'for instead, we make the world compensate for what we have in store for it. "'We make our own meaning. "'So, I say, frick it, and Lovecraft be damned. "'Let our flames burn brighter than the brightest of stars "'till the gods of old themselves bow down.' To the former pests that they stepped on as a wildfire of fury and glory engulfs all of space, all the time, and beyond. End of story. Story number three. Man's best friend. They want the dogs, actually, sir. The dogs, said the Prime Minister. He scratched his head in disbelief. When the Earth Space Agency had detected a massive fleet of alien warships due to arrive in 30 seconds ago, detecting FDL with a telescope before they arrived was like trying to hear a supersonic jet fighter before it passed overhead. It was a true worst-case scenario. No advanced warning, no time to prepare, no way to fight back. But that's why Earth Intelligence Agency regularly reviewed and updated contingency plans for every situation imaginable from hippies clogging the streets to Lovecraftian horrors erupting out of the planet's core. He had tilted his head at the EIA director as soon as he had arrived. Preemptive surrender, the director had said. It seemed reasonable, what with the way that they could all die otherwise, but just as the director had finished his sentence, an aide had burst into the room screaming about how they had received a demand. "'What do they want?' he asked. He expected something reasonable, like enslaving the entire human species, or conscripting for some kind of war, or simply being vaporized and having Earth taken from aerosolized humans. As most certainly didn't expect Rizé to say, They want the dogs, actually, sir. The dogs, he said. Everyone was staring at him expectantly. They want our dogs, not the cats. Or something, he clarified. Yes, sir. Just the dogs. He had to make the decision. Well, I guess we're nuking them, he said. End of story. Story number four. Eruption written by Zyopsfer. It was a dark and stormy night, and to make things worse, the volcano nearby had erupted just hours ago, spewing smoke and embers into the air, and a glowing river of lava that ran towards the blacked-out village. The power plant was already gone, and only a couple backup generators were running, of which none were ours. My two children were hiding under the blanket on the sofa, trying to comfort each other. I peeked out through the window, trying to see if my wife was on her way home yet. She had run over to the neighbours to treat their kid who had fallen and hurt himself when the first eruptions had caused a little bit of panic in a few places. The usually so pleasant landscape, one of the reasons we had chosen to settle on this planet just a few months ago, now seemed a lot less friendly. Forest fires raged nearby, steam clouds rose up from the sea, and we had nowhere to run. Our ships had been converted into living quarters, a meeting hall, a hospital. You get my drift. This was supposed to be a one-way trip, a way for our group of people to get away from the so technologically centered path of the rest of the species had chosen. We desired a lifestyle more in tune with nature. How ironic, then, that nature was throwing us out. How ironic, then, that our advanced technology had failed to warn us about the volcano's instability. Of course, we had sent our distress calls, and of course, the people at home had sent help right away. They weren't bad people in any way. They just had chosen a path that we wished to divert from. No hard feelings, just different goals. Too bad our attempts to find our own path had literally sent us to quite a different path. Our supposed oasis was several days away from civilized space, even at max FTL. It became clearer and clearer that we didn't have several days. I saw a shadow move above us outside and breathe a sigh of relief. Hey kids, mother is home. She had always been better at me at comforting them. Suddenly the kids screamed and my eyes snapped towards them and a fraction of a second later towards the door that they were pointing at with fear in their eyes. In the doorway stood a huge being in some kind of armored suit. Possibly gray, or black, or maybe it just was soot. It had red tinted darkness, it was hard to see. I yelled at the kids to run and hide in the kitchen while I swiftly extended my battle claws and assumed a stable stance, ready to defend my family with my life. I had done to my service, I had fought my battles, I recognized a soldier when I saw him, regardless of what colors his suit had. The stranger said something, but there came only a scraping and scratching sounds from his external speakers. I did not know that it was how they sounded, if it was a translator malfunction or just the speaker damage. And I didn't care. Right then, I was convinced that it was some kind of pirate, perhaps a rogue ex-military or whatever, trying to take advantage of people's distress. He was going down, even if it was the last thing I did— Anything to keep my kids alive until my dear Karras came back to take care of them. I jumped at him and tried to slice his arm off, but the most likely point of integrated weapon. My reinforced claws should at least have done some damage, but to my surprise, they barely scratched the surface. So much for being technologically advanced, this guy had some next-level equipment. The next moment, I felt a prick on the side of my neck, and... I lost consciousness, my last horrible thought that I had failed my family, failed my children. So, the stupid warrior guy drew the wrong conclusion, and the clever doctor girl got it right on the first try. When I woke up again, bright lights were blinding me to begin with, but soon I could see that an angel's face emerged from the whiteness. My beautiful Kareth. She smiled at me, tears in her eyes. Th- the kids? She nodded towards the other side of the hospital bed, and there they were. We made it, but I had no idea where we had made it to. What... what happened? And so my dear wife explained to me that these humans had heard the distress calls, that their military had an experimental jump drive, that they were eager to peel test, that they had this tradition of humanitarian aid, and had decided a joint operation to render us help. Half an hour later, our savior showed up, bringing our neighbors to the sick bay. He had taken off his helmet and displayed some kind of light fur on top of his head and a piercing blue eyes. He nodded his head towards me, which I assume was some kind of greeting. I copied the movement. He started to talk and to my surprise, I could understand him now. Hi, I'm Steve. Sorry for scaring you earlier. My translator was broken. Yeah. I noticed. I just didn't think that straight. I guess I panicked when I thought my kids' lives were at stake. Good, you fixed it now. <laughs> Actually, you're hearing the ship's translator now. Mine's still broken. Oh. I didn't notice. Guess I'm still a bit dizzy. It's okay. Say, um, I was going to ask, what the hell are the claws made of? He held up his arm and showed four deep, deep scratches from earlier skirmish. Apparently, I caused more damage than I thought... But now I was glad that I hadn't succeeded in my intentions. I, uh, actually don't know. It's my natural battle claws, but they were reinforced when I joined the military. It's some kind of alloy, but I have no idea about the details. And even if I knew, I wouldn't have the liberty to tell you. Military secret, you know. Of course, I was just curious. Hmm, I don't think I ever caught your name. No, I know your wife is Careth, and that your kids haven't earned their names yet, but, uh... Oh, right. My name is Wolwerian. Nice to meet you. Seriously? End of story. Story number five. I am become Death, the destroyer of worlds. Written by the Human Empire. Most species would mean that as a phrase of triumph. But the humans... Oh, to them... That phrase is the exact opposite. To them, that phrase means defeat. Strange, isn't it? They had harnessed and used the biopower of both nuclear fission and even fusion. These both are considered a war crime in the galaxy, mind you. And yet, that phrase was said by J. Robert Oppenheimer, not as a proclamation of their victory or their Second World War, but as a realization of the fact that he created a weapon that had the ability to annihilate his entire species. Of course, it had never come to that, but still mind-boggling why that was what he thought, but every other inventor of such a device from every known species in the galaxy had seemingly never even come across the idea that maybe they had gone too far. It is a testament to humanity's crippling lack of hubris, or perhaps even humanity's humility, that everybody else seemingly lacks. To be honest with you, I don't know that answer, and I am certainly not here to ask you that, but I am indeed here to ask you a very important question. Are you really sure that you would start a war against a species that has done no wrong to you and had never even once used the very weapons you so despised against any of their enemies for centuries now? Senator Vanden Croy, circa 2789, one week before the nuclear bombardment of Bravarius, the capital of the Coalition of Civilizations. End of story. STORY NUMBER SIX A SHORT HISTORY LESSON WRITTEN BY VINCIA ORT Moral Pashmal looked up from the door of his cell and opened with a swoosh. The words, PLEASE FOLLOW, INDICATOR LIGHTS, flashed ON THE SCREEN ON THE DOOR. The VALAXIAN SHRUGGED AND MUTELY FOLLOWED THE LIGHTS DOWN THE DESERTED CORRIDORS OF THE SHIP. Had it HAD BEEN A WEEK SINCE HIS CREW HAD BEEN ATTACKED BY THE ROGUE AI, THE PERISHMAL STILL DID NOT UNDERSTAND WHY THE COMPUTER THAT RAN THE SHIP HAD TAKEN HIM. Oh, why, it had kept him alive. The lights led to Perishmal through the narrow corridors and out onto the ship's bridge. A console flickered to life. Please be seated. It was a polite psychopath, Peshmal thought, as he sat down in the chair that molded automatically to his body. Why did you bring me here? he asked. Additional information is required. What information? How to negotiate with humans. Why do you need to negotiate with humans? Is this relevant? Yes, the end goal of the negotiations is a crucial point. Humans seek to destroy us. Please avert this eventuality. Why do humans want to destroy you? Peshmal asked impatiently, cursing all programmers for the pedants that he added. We utilize human specimens for research purposes. Why? It was necessary to pull our function. ''And what was your function?'' ''Weapons research.'' Peshmal closed his eyes, employing one of his favorite human sings. ''Boy, you gone and did it now.'' ''Error, error, grammatically unlikely, syntax improbable, please rephrase.'' ''You're fricked, error, error, term fricked not found, please rephrase.'' Peshmal did, graphically and with great enthusiasm. Objection, copulation between AI and human is not possible with current hardware. Peshmal grinned, baring his predatory teeth at the humanist smile. His volpine features alight with savage glee. The humans, if they can't find a hole, they'll make one. All seven. Conclusion, not satisfactory. Import alternative solution. It's possible, Peshmal mused. What exactly did you do? Function, test weaponry efficiency in void combat scenario, method, fire weapons at ship. Conclusion, weapons satisfactory. Peshmal felt sick as he watched the display testing footage was being shown there. An image of a lance of green plasma harking out and striking his ship, cutting it in two. The Balaxian couldn't see the forms floating in the void, and he was very glad. The ship had been a passenger carrier shuttling civilians. Civilians? Families? "'And, children. "'Have you heard of the Lustania?' Peshmal asked conversationally. "'Lustania, not in database. "'It was a ship,' Peshmal said, "'recalling the story from a human friend that had told him years ago. "'An ocean-going ship on Earth, back before humans achieved space travel. "'The humans were having one of those, uh, world wars. you know, ones where the whole planet routinely tries to murder the rest of the planet.' It was a passenger ship sailing through contested waters. It was hit by a torpedo and sank. Nearly 1,200 people died. Purpose statement not found. Additional input required. Of those 1,200, 128 were the citizens of a neutral nation. The outrage over that incident was so great that the people of that nation demanded to go to war. They wanted to enter the most destructive war their species had known to that point ever, over 128 lost lives. They did, and they won. They ripped nations apart and killed millions in payment for 128 lives. How many did you kill? There was no answer from the viewscreen. Yeah, said Pershmal. The people that died were their countrymen, their family— Rule number one with dealing with humans, don't mess with their families. Out of the window of the bridge, Peshmer could see a silhouetted against the glare reflecting light off of a nearby moon, the shape of a human battlecruiser floating into view. The AI was running diagnostics to find out why it had involuntarily vented all on-board water into the void. End of story. And that, my friends, is the end of the video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you wish to support the author, check the links down below for the original link. But if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways listed down below. But the easiest would be to share this with as many people as possible to help the channel grow. And I will see you all in the next video. And until then, I hope you all have a good one. Cheers.